You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Ruthie Fearberg, and this is Why We Theater. The intersection of theater and social justice, this podcast digs into today's most thought-provoking and urgent onstage works with the artists who made them and real-world experts who advise us on how we can create impactful change in our offstage lives. After all, that is Why We Theater. Today for the season one finale, we're doing something a little different. I want to talk to you, host to listener, theater fan to theater fan, friend to friend. As you know by now, Why We Theater is all about using the theater as a tool, gaining inspiration from the stories on stage to create change in our world off stage. Throughout season one, I have learned so much, and I hope you have too, about how to advocate for ourselves and others. At the core, every discussion has been about increasing love, empathy, and understanding. Each episode has been about making the world better, and though your values and beliefs may vary from mine or from each other's, I count on the fact that we all agree that more love and more understanding always leads to a quote better world. And yes, I have advocated for specific behavioral changes like unlearning colorism or disconnecting from tech or checking the reliability of your news sources. Our experts have explained the merits for specific policies like automatic voter registration in the U.S. and the need to eliminate zero tolerance policies in our schools. And I personally endorse those efforts. We've explored the dangers of rape culture, anti-Semitism, anti-queer views, and ways in which we can make the world safer and more actively joyful for women, Jews, LGBTQIA plus folks, and all othered peoples. So I hope to date, Why We Theater has not only given you the tools to create change in your heart and spread that change to your community, I hope you've seen another side of theater. If you're someone like me who lives for theater, I hope you've learned how to harness that power of this art. And if you're someone who has barely ever gone to live theater, I hope you realize that theater is for you, that there is always a story out there made for you. You know, I talk all the time about how too many people, maybe outside of theater fans, think of theater as one thing. You know, the flashy, splashy, frivolous musical, maybe something like 42nd Street or a Guys and Dolls. But theater is meaning making. And even those shows have meaning. If you've gone to the theater once and hated what you saw, try again. Find a show that's right for you. I hope through the exploration of all of these different topics, you've realized that theater is about so many things and there is always a story for everyone out there. You'd never go to the movies and see a bad movie and say, I hate movies, they're not for me. You'd say, I hated that movie. And the same applies to theater. There are plenty of things you won't like, but hopefully many more that you will. But on a different note, Today, I want to talk about advocating for theater itself. Right now, the theater industry has been decimated. All 41 Broadway theaters are closed. Over 150 off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway theaters are dark. 
touring houses across the country, like the Bushnell Center for the Performing Arts in Hartford, where I grew up seeing tours of Broadway shows, are closed. So are local theaters like Woolly Mammoth in D.C. or True Colors in Atlanta, La Jolla and the Geffen Playhouse in California, the Goodman in Chicago, and hundreds and hundreds across the country. They're all vacant wherever you go to theater. They're all struggling. These theaters have been creative, though, with online programs and shows and galas because theater people are resilient. But we are still struggling. Every actor, every switchboard operator, every stage manager, every publicist, every seamstress, every company manager, every box office clerk, they're all out of work. Please support them. And that doesn't just mean sending donations, although of course we will accept donations, but not everybody has spare income right now, and I know that. But everyone has a voice. So this means writing or calling your representatives, because government leaders are exactly that, representatives. You are their constituents. They work for you. They work for us. They vote based on, quote, what matters to their constituents, as any West Wing fan will know, because let's be honest about it. Everything I know about the government, I know from the West Wing. But if suddenly they're flooded with calls and letters, even tweets, telling telling them to vote yes on the Dawn Act or the Restart Act, they have to respond. The public dialogue right now focuses on when theaters reopen, but I have to be honest, theaters are in danger of closing. Yes, Broadway itself will reopen and there will be things to go there, but theaters around the country can only reopen if they survive this time, if they pay their rent, if they renovate their buildings up to new COVID era health codes, if they have staff that will return So without government financial aid, reopening is not a guarantee. And there are too many pieces of legislation that could have helped if they were passed. The HEROES Act, the Save Our Stages Act, both were rejected by the Senate earlier this fall. But wait, all hope is not lost. Three new acts that could preserve theater and their surrounding businesses are at differing phases of approval and could really use your support. There's the Small Business Lifeline Act and the two that I mentioned just a moment ago, the Restart Act and the Dawn Act. So each of these are crucial in helping theater owners, producers, operators pay their bills, which pay the artists who work for them. You can read more actually at playbill.com slash COVID legislation. That's P-L-A-Y-B-I-L-L dot com slash C-O-V-I-D-L-E-G-I-S-L-A-T-I-O-N. It sounds longer than it is. And then once you know more about them, if that's your choice, you can write and call your reps. And it can seriously be as simple as, hi, my name is Ruthie Fierberg and I'm a constituent in zip code 00000. I urge you to support the Small Business Lifeline Act, the Restart Act, and the Dawn Act. The performing arts industry depends on it, so vote to support. Thank you. That's it. That's how easy it is. Aside from legislation and individual theaters, Broadway's questionable future and the plethora of Zoom readings and performances, there's a larger existential question at play. And I've talked about this throughout other episodes, but arts education, 
Arts education is a mirror of the way we treat the arts in regular society what we see currently in our world, a lack of financial support to the theater industry and a constant need to validate our business, it falls in line with the general philosophy around arts education. That philosophy is that arts are a bonus, arts are extra. Every call for help to Broadway emphasizes the $1.8 billion we brought into the New York economy last year, which is more than every single sporting event combined. $1.8 billion. And while those economics are true, theater is the lifeblood of the New York City economy. I'm also frustrated that we're only as valuable as that bottom line. While we are the heart that pumps blood to the dry cleaners and the hotels and restaurants and coffee shops and souvenir shops and bars, we are more vital than any dollar bill. Humans are a meaning-making species. If you listened to our episode of Octet, Dr. Mary Helen told us this very clearly. We are a meaning-making species. And art is our meaning-making. You cannot quantify the value of theater. I will repeat that. You cannot quantify the value of theater. We are not a bonus. We are not extra. And that's why I want to talk about arts education. So if the school in your area has an arts program, I can nearly guarantee it's as an elective. That very word elective is problematic. I know it sounds drastic, but the arts should be required. Just like math, just like language arts, just like science. Music, both instrumental and vocal, acting, painting, drawing, dance, they all teach valuable skills. And I continue to be baffled how we require physical education, but not dance. And I don't mean square dancing, okay? Let's teach a real stretching warm-up and a technique class. Why should it all be extracurricular? I was lucky enough that my parents sent me to dance class. I am not a professional dancer, but you want to know what I did learn? I learned discipline, I exercised my body, I stretched, I strengthened, I improved balance and stability. And you might think, well, not all kids are good at dance. Guess what? Not all kids are good at social studies and we make them take that. Both are necessary and different kids will excel at different courses, but the exposure is key. Yes, we need to know how to add, multiply, and divide, but we also need to know how to communicate and understand another's perspective and empathize. For some reason, those in charge of budgets deem the latter skills disposable, and they kind of always have. We hear about music programs cut, but never math. And Just to be clear, I'm not advocating that we cut math, but imagine if a school said they were no longer teaching algebra. You would think, like, what kind of school is this? What do you mean you're not teaching math? That should be the reaction when someone says, I'm not teaching music. The arts are equally crucial, and I do mean equally. And there's a reason why there are so many movies and shows out there about the music teacher who came in and saved the morale of the school and taught kids that they were worth something. Because that's reality. Mr. Holland's Opus, Joyful Noise, all of those 
wear the heart, you know, music of the heart, all of these, they show us what we gain. Many of you know me from my work as the executive editor of Playbill, you know, my day job outside the podcast. But before Playbill, I worked at Parents Magazine. I'll never forget there was one October where we did a creativity issue and educators emphasized the necessity of imagination. Why? Well, one powerful reason is that up to 85% of the jobs that today's college students will have in 11 years have not been invented yet. And that statistic is magnified the younger the student. So to set our kids up for success, we need to foster creativity. We need to allow for innovation. And the arts also increase neuroplasticity. So the ability to think up the job that doesn't exist and to be able to do the job that doesn't yet exist. What's more, students who are engaged in the arts have higher GPAs, lower dropout rates, higher standardized test scores, concentration in the arts correlates to higher civic engagement. I'm a prime example of that. I spent six hours phone banking today for the election. I am civically engaged. I am a product of the arts. And exposure to the arts of only two hours a week improves overall mental health. We are in a mental health crisis in this country and anything we can do to relieve stress, to make kids more confident, to make adults more confident, that's worth it. And all of this is reflected in my high school experience. If you've been listening, you've heard me talk about where I went to school. I went to William H. Hall High in West Hartford, Connecticut, and it was a public school. It is a public school, and we had the most phenomenal arts program, performing arts program. I was in choirs and dance groups affiliated with my school, Our jazz band was number one in the country for a long time running. And all of those jazz band kids were also the straight A students, were also the top kids running cross country. And they have gone on to be some of the most successful people I know in the real world. There are so many people who went on to professions in the arts. Um, Graduates of my high school have done everything from, you know, go on to be musicians in the band Dispatch. Um, There's a graduate who's a music director on Broadway. I, you know, have a career here in the arts, thanks to all of you listeners. Another colleague of mine uh, is the owner of a music venue. He's a graduate of Hall High School. The head of Cameron McIntosh North America is a graduate of Hall High School. The arts just help make successful people because we also learn time management. We learn self-expression. We make friends. But all of this is not just about not cutting arts. You know, that's the bare minimum is having them. But we need to fund the arts. I hope all of this information convinces you that whether it's this election cycle and you're listening before or after this election cycle and for the next one, that we need to vote for Board of Education representatives and council members who prioritize the arts. We need to serve on committees to hire administrators who prioritize the arts and will hire strong arts educators. But outside of school, yes, you can be in charge of the arts in your own home, whether that's incorporating art into your child's upbringing or if you're an adult. I mean, you don't need to have kids to do this stuff. I don't have kids. You just 
let's do it. I sing, I dance. There are so many things, especially in the time of COVID, there's a plethora of online classes, whether that's dance or circus arts, creative writing workshops, music lessons, you name it. There are so many that are free. Engage, try something new. I hope that you'll also continue to support your local theaters as well as organizations like the Actors Fund and Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS who support out-of-work artists. And then once theaters open, purchase those tickets. Purchase tickets. I'm going to work hard to get you season two of Why We Theater. Until then, please tell a friend about the pod, whether they consider themselves a theater person or not. Remember, every person is a theater person. Follow us on social at Why We Theater for more resources about how you can find these plays and musicals. Maybe you want to put them on in your own community. Maybe you want to see if there's a production online. Maybe you want to know how to create the change. All at Why We Theater on Twitter and Instagram. You can also sign up for my personal newsletter at ruthiefearberg.com. It'll be in the show description. And That way you can stay in the know about all things Ruthie, all things theater. You can read more interviews. You can get my pop culture recs and so much more. Until season two, please stay safe. Reach out to someone you love just to say hello. And remember that love and learning is why we theater. Why We Theater is a product of the Broadway Podcast Network. It's edited and mixed by Derek Gunther. If you like the show, subscribe at bpn.fm slash WWT or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review and tell your friends. Our theme music is by Benjamin Velez. Why We Theater is recorded in part on the traditional lands of the Wappinger and Lenape peoples. I acknowledge this land was unjustly taken from them and pay my respect to elders both past and present. Special thanks to Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Lee Silverman, Patrick Taylor, Tony Montaneri, Wesley Birdsall, Elena Mayer, and Suzanne Chipkin. For more resources for change, info about our guests, and more, visit us at whywetheater.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.